Let us pray. Father, we do indeed thank you that you are the fount of every blessing. And it's through Christ and his interposed blood that we come into relationship with you. So now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here on this Labor Day weekend. I'd invite you to take out your Bibles or devices with Scripture on them and turn to the fifth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel as we continue in our series on the Beatitudes. There are only two Beatitudes left after today. My sermon today is entitled, Be a Peacemaker. In Matthew 5, 9, this Beatitude, we read the words of Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Jesus himself and all of Scripture have a great deal to say concerning peace and about being a peacemaker. Hebrews 12, 14 tells us, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. James chapter 3, verse 18 says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's be honest as we begin this morning. Being a peacemaker is not something which is easy. It is completely foreign and contrary to sinful human nature. It flies in the face of what the world so often tells us. And even when the world speaks of peace or peacemaking, people speak in mere human terms. They speak of, of peacemaking in terms of human efforts. The reality is that real, genuine peacemaking is only possible by God's grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12, 14, which I just read, links peacemaking and holiness. As we talk about peacemaking today, once again, we must begin, as we have with all of the Beatitudes, with Jesus, because he is the great peacemaker. Isaiah prophetically identifies Jesus as the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, 6, which brings me to our first point this morning. Peacemakers know the Prince of Peace. Did you hear that? Peacemakers know the Prince of Peace. There is no other option. To be a true peacemaker requires that we know Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. It requires that he has touched and transformed and continues to transform our lives. And there are two aspects of peacemakers knowing the Prince of Peace that I want to talk about in this first point this morning. The first sub-point being this. Jesus is our peacemaker with God. This is really the essential starting point for becoming a peacemaker in the true biblical sense. To be a peacemaker in the true biblical sense requires having peace with God, that the enmity between us and God has been removed. And that kind of peace only comes to knowing Jesus Christ and his transforming work in our lives. Scripture is very clear on this. Because of Adam's fall, we are all Sinful by nature. We have an inherited sin nature. Romans 3.23 tells us this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we are born sinful, whether we like to acknowledge it or not. 
It's our nature. And in addition to that, we also choose to do sinful things. And this sin, both in nature and act, separates us from God. And the reality is even when we sin against another person, all of our sin and rebellion is ultimately directed toward God and makes us his enemies. We are separated from God. Scripture is quite clear regarding this fact that we are separated from God because of our sinfulness. And yet this is not God's will for us. Did you hear that? This is not God's will. God's design is fellowship. God sent his son Jesus for this very reason, to restore the relationship broken by Adam's fall and by our sin. Hear what the word of God says in this regard. Colossians chapter 1. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. And then backing up a little bit in the New Testament from Colossians to the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, we read this. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And a little further along in chapter 5 of Romans, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is what God offers us in Jesus. Jesus is our peacemaker with God. We must begin at the place of asking the question, do we know Jesus? And through Jesus, do we know peace with God? The second sub-point this morning is that Jesus makes living at peace with others possible. If you would turn to the second chapter of Ephesians and just, just mark it there with your finger for a moment. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2 in just a minute. In Ephesians chapter 2, St. Paul speaks of one of the greatest divides between human beings in all of time and history. Specifically, the divide between Jew and Gentile. Two peoples between whom a high level of enmity existed. Before Christ, these two groups basically had nothing to do with each other. We also need to remember that the very first Christian believers were all Jews. And the very early church struggled with this issue. For um, the Jewish believers, from their Jewish perspective, they struggled with the understanding that Christ came to redeem all people and that the gospel extended equally to Gentiles as well as to Jews. The history of this struggle and God's dealings with them is seen at particular places in the New Testament, especially in Acts chapters 10 through 11. But these two groups, Jew and Gentile, despised each other. Gentiles with their vile pagan religious practices. Jews considered Gentiles inferior, considered them dogs. 
They were uncircumcised. Gentiles lacked covenant relationship with God. They were viewed as being outside of God's favor and excluded from the blessings and privileges God extended to his Old Testament people. Now look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 18 with me for a moment. St. Paul writes, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through Christ, those who trust in him are made one. He is our peace. These peoples were enemies. But Jesus Christ is the great peacemaker, the prince of peace. He makes peace between God and humans by removing our sin, which is the basis of our alienation from God. And he brings peace between us and other people by each of us coming into right relationship with him. Peacemakers know, peacemakers must know the prince of peace. My second point this morning, peacemakers are people of action. The idea of being a peacemaker here in this beatitude and in scripture is not something which is passive. Being a peacemaker is not simply avoiding conflict or controversy. It's not simply placating someone or taking the easiest path in a challenging circumstance to dodge the hard issues and the difficult conversations. To the contrary, in Scripture, to be a peacemaker means pressing in, pressing into those issues. Being a peacemaker demands positive action, active reconciliation, seeking to bring about peace. This should especially be the case between believers, if we both know Christ. Incredible reproach has been brought on the name of Christ over the years when believers fight in individual relationships, in individual churches, and in the body of Christ much more broadly. And even how we conduct ourselves as we interact with people in the world. I remember in Harford County, Maryland, where Tame and I lived before we moved here, there was one particular church in the county that was notorious because for two consecutive years, the Harford County Sheriff's Department had to be called to their annual business meeting after a fist fight broke out. And you know, that didn't just bring reproach on that church. It brought reproach on all churches and all Christians, and most of all, on the name of the Lord. Because when the world looks at those kind of 
horrible, tragic situations, they don't say, look at that church and how they are. They say, look at those Christians and look what they're like. They're false. They're hypocrites. The gospel's not true. But we're not called just to live at peace with fellow believers. All that, that is a good and essential place to start. As much as is possible within us, we're also called to live at peace with all people. This is hard stuff. I want to acknowledge that. Hebrews 12, 14, which I read a little bit earlier, talks about this. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The primary focus of being a peacemaker is not simply acting as a third party between those in conflict, although that is certainly a valid and commendable thing to do. But more immediately, the emphasis is on handling ourselves in peace-seeking ways in our own situations both personally and together as a church family. Peacemaking has both an individual and a corporate aspect. And this is where the rubber really meets the road. This is where things can be and often are incredibly difficult or challenging. And where we all become keenly aware of our need for God's help and his grace in every circumstance that we face in life. Let's talk about some, some practical things, not just in church, but let's talk, begin with our homes. And if we're married, um, with our marriages. Peacemaking in marriage is about not having to get my own way or to prove myself right or to try to get the upper hand in winning an argument. Or how about peacemaking in the marketplace? How do I handle myself? And I... I don't get this stuff right a lot of times. And so I am preaching to myself as much as you all. How do I handle myself when a mechanic cheats me or when I receive terrible service at a restaurant or in our extended families? How will I respond when I disagree with my sibling or family member about taking care of an aged loved one or dealing with a greedy family member when dividing an estate? And there's that dimension of peacemaking in our hearts. <clears throat> what about those times when I or you refrain from giving someone a piece of our mind? We bite our lip, if you will. But several days later, I'm still imagining how I could have and should have put them in their place by saying this or saying that. And I keep rehearsing what I think I ought to say, have said to them over and over and over. And when I think that way, the scripture comes to mind, out of men's heart comes evil thoughts. In 1934, Hitler's plague of anti-Semitism was spreading throughout Europe like a wildfire. Some would escape it. Millions would die from it. But an 11-year-old boy named Heinz would learn from it. Heinz was a Jew who lived in the Bavarian village of Firth with his family. As tension mounted between the Jews and the Germans in that community, Heinz's father, a school teacher, lost his job simply because he was a Jew, and his family endured great hardship. Gangs of Hitler youth roamed the neighborhoods of Firth looking for trouble. Young Heinz learned to keep his eyes open for them. Whenever he saw a gang of troublemakers, he would cross to the other side of the street. 
Sometimes he would escape a fight, but other times he, he couldn't. One day, Heinz found himself face to face with a Hitler youth. A beating appeared inevitable, but on this day, he walked away unhurt, not because he put up a good fight, but because what he, of what he said. Somehow, he convinced this troublemaker that a fight was foolish and unnecessary. From that point on, 11-year-old Heinz learned the power of words to avoid conflict. And for a young Jewish boy living in such a volatile, anti-Semitic climate, that was a skill he learned to use often. In fact, it was a skill he grew to perfect. Fortunately, Heinz and his family escaped Bavaria and made their way to America. As the years have passed, his name has become synonymous for many with peace negotiations. He is still very much alive and 100 years old today, and he will be remembered as one of the greatest peacemakers of the 20th century. You don't know him as Heinz. Those of you who can remember know him by his anglicized name, Henry, Henry Kissinger. Now, who all can remember Henry Kissinger? It's okay to raise your hand. Who served as Secretary of State under both Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford, was instrumental in the United States withdrawal from Vietnam, and was a Nobel Peace Prize recipient. We as the people, and this is a temporal example, I know, but I think it very much does help to illustrate what we're talking about today. But we as the people of God need to learn to respond in the opposite spirit when someone comes at us with hostility, respond with the peace and the compassion of Christ. That doesn't mean being spineless. It doesn't mean avoiding conflict. It means engaging in a way that is opposite of that of hostility, responding in a way that Christ guides us and directs us to disarm the situation because we need to be people of peace, peacemakers by God's grace and God's power. Being a peacemaker in God's way means as much as is possible from our end seeking peaceful resolutions, knowing that there must be cooperation by other people at some level as well, but doing everything we can, it means loving peace. It means seeking peace. It means not being someone always looking for a fight or a conflict or someone who thrives and enjoys in stirring up controversy. Have you ever met people like that in the church? And there is a corporate dimension to this, both as Christians, again, as we interact with the church, as the church, and in our culture. We must be careful to not be quick to love that which is contrary to peace. We see it around us all the time in the current cultural climate where even Christians are, are looking for a fight. That doesn't mean that we don't speak out and we don't stand up for biblical truth but we do it in a way that is winsome and godly and reflects Christ, not in a way that we're just looking for a fight or to dust it up. I think another thing that, that very much comes to mind that is convicting, you know, we're very quick in a lot of Christian circles, appropriately so, to talk about sexually explicit or um, content on television or movies and that sort of thing that we shouldn't be a part of. But often we fail to talk about the violence in the media 
And we're quite all right with watching all kinds of hideous violence and grotesque acts as if somehow that's okay with God, and it's not. And we throw our lives open and fill our lives and our hearts with all kinds of things that dishonor the Lord and affect the way we think and respond so that we respond like the world in the flesh rather than in a Christ-like way. Or our comfort level with war, acknowledging that sometimes in this wicked fallen world that war may be unavoidable, but we as Christians should never seek it or advocate seeking it. We should go to the absolute and possible to make peace. Not to avoid conflict, but to make peace. Which raises the question, Am I, are you following the principle of Hebrews 12, 14 in an active and intentional Christ-honoring way? Am I making every effort? Say the speak on his analysis of Greek language in the New Testament says this about this text. Peacemakers are those who pursue and spread it, establishing it around themselves. Hence, they are artisans of peace. I like that imagery. Are we in Christ and through his work in us growing to be artisans of peace? Ultimately, peacemakers means being people of action. And it means we live out the good news of the gospel. Salvation through Jesus Christ. Because this is the ultimate message of peace for us and for others, for the entire world around us. D.A. Carson puts it this way. The good news of Jesus Christ is the greatest peacemaking message. And the Christian who shares his or her faith is a harbinger of peace, a peacemaker. The prophet Isaiah put it this way. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Verse that we know because St. Paul also quotes it in Romans 10, 15. There is beauty, brothers and sisters, there is godly beauty in bringing and being a bearer of the message of peace, the message of salvation through Christ, the message of reconciliation between human beings in Christ. To be a peacemaker is to be an artisan of peace. It is to be a person of godly action. And then third and finally, peacemakers are sons of God. Note the contingency. Peacemakers are sons of God. This is not conditional. It is not an option. If we are children of God, if we are sons of God, we will be peacemakers. In the King James, this verse is translated children of God. But D.A. Carson rightly emphasized the, emphasizes the importance of the translation remaining son because children all have position as progeny or offspring. But in Jewish thought, a son, hear this, also partakes of the character of his father. So you and I, male and female, as sons of God, as those who have been bought with the blood of Christ, are partakers of our Heavenly Father's character through Jesus Christ. 
To be called sons of God means that as believers, male and female alike, we are partakers of God's character. That is an incredible thing to ponder. And because we are partakers, we are called to demonstrate his character, who he is to the world around us. Because we have been redeemed, brothers and sisters, we have been set free and transformed by the Prince of Peace. And because of this, we demonstrate the character of our Heavenly Father. We are like Him. By God's grace and power at work in us, we are going to be more like Him. And we are like His eternal Son, Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. <clears throat> so the first question for every one of us today is, do we know peace with God through Jesus Christ? And then from that place, am I partaking of God's character and actively demonstrating godly character to others? Do I seek to be a peacemaker, an artisan of peace by God's grace and power, even when it's hard? Are you and I living out the principle of Hebrews 12, 14 as much as it is possible within us? Are we striving to live in godly peace. And we need to ask these questions of ourselves, not just at the head level, but in real life, daily, practical situations. Knowing that God calls us to this, and because he calls us to this, by his grace and power, he equips us to do this thing. Because God never calls us to anything which he doesn't then equip us and empower us through him to accomplish. So as we seek to live out godly peacemaking, as we seek to be peacemakers, not just coasting along, may we strive as much as is possible within us to be that salt and light through peacemaking that Jesus calls us to be in the most difficult of situations which we will encounter in life. And may, as we do that, by God's grace and power, may we be that salt and light as the church in the world that he calls us to be. Let us pray. Father, we stand in awe of your gracious goodness and loving kindness to us. That while we were still enemies with you, dead in our trespasses and sin, you sent Jesus to be our peacemaker. The one who by his blood and the cross of Calvary removed the enmity between us and you as we place our faith and trust in him. Father, thank you. And Father, thank you that through what Christ has done, you enable and empower us as your people, the church of Jesus Christ, his body on earth, to be peacemakers in the world around us. So help us as a church, help us as families to be peacemakers, to be people that reflect and partake of your good, holy character. And Lord, make us that salt and light you call us to be. Teach us and equip us and show us how to respond in the opposite spirit, not in the flesh, but in the spirit of the living God. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.